0: Hello everyone, welcome to Coffee Date with Purpose. This is your host, Wendy Payne. So glad that you are here this week with me. So today we are going to be posting the, the message from Sunday morning and it is part two of unlikely change of events and this is the story of Esther and so we're going into part two of her story. I just pray that you are encouraged and blessed by this sermon. Sit back, grab your coffee and enjoy the message. love that song all your promises are yes and amen god doesn't give promises to break he gives promises to keep and i love when pastor john was saying you know if you've been praying for something and you just have not received your answer yet can i just encourage you keep pressing on keep trusting the lord he hears he has not left you and he will come through we're going to continue on in our little mini series this morning in the book of esther in the series that i've called unlikely change of events and i love this story because there's so many cool little segues in there that we see that God literally takes the plan that we think is going this way and he changes it in a completely different direction. The most popular verse or saying from the book of Esther is, for such a time as this. And often we use that in, in different connotations. And today I brought a clock with me. And um, I want us to think about time today, Okay. So for such a time as this, time is like the most, one of the most precious gifts that we can give to people, like giving of our time, we've talked about this before, is one of the most precious gifts that we can offer to anybody. But for such a time as this is the popular saying from this book. And I want you to think about where you are right now in your life. God orchestrates everything for his plans and his purposes. And you are where you are right now because God planned it. You are there. Because of at this time, God wanted you in that moment to be where you are. If you just moved here to Paris, God brought you here for a purpose and a plan. If you've just been scrolling on Facebook or YouTube and you came across this video, God planned it for such a time as this. If you are ministering to somebody right now, speaking into somebody's life, it is for such a time as this. If you have a particular job or you're in school or something, it is for such a time as this. God has purposes and plans. And even though you might not be able to see his hand in it, it is absolutely in and around your life. The best part about Book of Esther is, not the best part, but something that I think we got to take away is that God is not mentioned in the book of Esther at all. Nowhere do we see the name of God in here. He is not mentioned. And in sometimes when we're going through life, sometimes it feels like God is not there. Maybe right now, whatever you are going through, you might feel like God is not here. And what's interesting about this book is we don't hear God's name, but God is absolutely in this story. Out of all the books in the Bible, every single book mentions the name of the Lord in some way, shape, or form, except in this book. And I think it's in there for that very purpose. Because sometimes we go through life and we feel like, God, where are you? I don't God can take a, t- a wave of events, things that are going a certain way, just like what we're in right now. Things are kind of going in a way and we're like, God, are you? He- where are you in all of this? And in an unlikely change of events, God will turn something that seems to be horrible and awful and, and traumatic, and he can turn it into something good. So sometimes it feels like God is not there. But he is, and he is orchestrating something for such a time as this. So this this book, it brings hope for us to know that God is actually working behind the scenes. Again, we might not see him, but he is working behind the scenes. The interesting part about this book is God doesn't appear in here. We don't see his name in this book, but we see God's people in this book. And so as we go through today, I want you to remember that. I want you to think about that, that God is moving through his people. So as you're watching today, you are God's people. If you have made a commitment to the Lord and you have a relationship with the Lord, you are his people people. And so as we watch God maneuver through his people in this book, even though his name isn't physically mentioned, God is maneuvering through his people for such a time as this. And that's exactly what God is doing in and through each and every one of us right now. We're God's people, and God is maneuvering through to use us for his glory. One of my favorite sayings is to be Jesus with skin on. And sometimes I get flack from people for saying that, but I I just, I'm going to just keep pledging through with that saying because I truly believe that that's what we need to be. We need to be the best representation of Jesus Christ that we can be. We have flesh on us right now. Jesus came to earth. He was flesh. He is now Uh, with God in heaven and we have his Holy Spirit. Yes, that's all true, but we have Jesus in us and we can be Jesus's hands and feet to be able to encourage people, to be able to help people to find their way to Jesus, to be that representation of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, You know, I have been talking a lot lately about using our gifts for the Lord and sharing the gospel with people and being that example to Jesus Christ. And I just feel again that I need to encourage you in the same just to really press on in these days. We're all starting to have kind of a little bit of a glimmer of hope that we're coming through this whole COVID thing. And I really, really believe that we need now more than ever To start dreaming, to start having vision, to see, okay, God, what is next? What can you do? How can you use me for your glory? What is coming down the pipe? What can we do? So in the story, we're talking about Esther. Esther was chosen as queen, the queen of Persia. Now remember, we talked about this last week. Esther was just this young girl probably guessing between the ages of maybe 14 to 20 in around there, just a young, young girl. She was chosen through just a, not a really great situation through a beauty pageant. She was chosen to be queen of Persia. Now remember, Esther was a poor young Jewish girl. She was an orphan. She was exiled from her tribe was exiled. They were like this girl. She had nothing, like no name, you know, like across her name. She wasn't like doctor. She wasn't anything that would seem important. She was just a girl, a plain girl. But God had a plan for her to do something that was beyond even her own comprehension. We need to remember that when we have Christ in our lives, that our past, our present, And our future does not define us. It's God's plan that defines us. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It does not matter. God can use you for his glory for such a time as this. It's God who defines us. And God will use us in that unlikely change of events okay so esther becomes queen out of all those girls i think there was like over 400 they estimate 400 or 1400 there was a massive amount of girls this was a year-long process we talked about this last week how she surrendered her will her desire what she wanted to be able to go and meet the king and go and find what his desires were that's how we're to enter into the into god's kingdom is what is it that god wants for our lives so esther is picked that is the most unlikely change of events out of all of those young girls that were coming to meet with the king God orchestrates it so that this young orphan Jewish girl is the one who gets chosen to be the queen now for Persian kings generally for them to choose who their wife is going to be, who their queen is going to be. They would select their queens from a royal, generally from royal Persian families. So they would, when they're looking for their wife, who their wife is going to be, they're going to be looking for some kind of a woman who is of some kind of a standard of a Persian, royal Persian, the nationality of Persia, and that they have some kind of a royal standing. And generally they would hope that it would come from the king's top seven advisors so when he's looking for a king they're looking for somebody specific they want her to have royal blood they want her to be persian they want her to hopefully be somebody from the family of these top seven people that he holds closest to him and 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 takes the advice from that's who the king would generally pick for his wife And here God orchestrates it so that Esther becomes queen. And I keep saying this, Esther, who was an orphan, who was Jewish, who was poor, because I want us to understand that nobody is not good enough for God to use for his glory. He has plans. He has purposes. Now, the king could have secondary wives. He could have concubines. And they could be from any nationality, any religion. It didn't matter. Because those children would have no rights to the kingdom. So as long as his first wife, the most primary wife, was Persian, everybody else, it didn't matter. But here is Esther, who's a Jew, who ends up being as the queen. She was an outsider. Again, poor Jewish, lowest of her tribe, exiled people. And she won the heart. And we're going to see later on in the story that she wins the ear of the king. All for such a time as this. God has purposes and plans for each and every one of us. And it doesn't matter what our past, our present, and our future is. It doesn't matter who you are. Remember how I said last week, I was a hairstylist, and look at where God has taken me. And not that I am anything great, not that a platform gives me any kind of greatness at all. It's not. It's who are you and what is God going to use for you? I often think, and I've said this before, I often wonder about the Sunday school teacher who talked to Billy Graham when little Billy was a little boy and taught him who Jesus Christ was. Nobody knows her name. Nobody knows anything about her. But somehow Billy Graham found out to know who Jesus Christ was. And look at what he ended up doing with his life. The millions probably of people who came to know Jesus Christ. Because somebody took the time. Somebody who nobody knows about. To teach him about who Jesus Christ was. In chapter 3, I'm just going to kind of give you just a, a premise of the story of what's happening here. Just an overview. In chapter 3, we see a man who is named Haman. And he becomes the king's right-hand man. He is raised up to be higher than any other noble in the, in the, in the kingdom. He is the top guy beside the king. He makes a decree that all the Jews in the Jewish nation are going to be annihilated. He takes a hatred on for Mordecai, Esther's cousin. He just decides, you know what, rather than just getting rid of Mordecai, I am going to get rid of the whole Jewish nation. Who's a Jew in the very kingdom with the king? is Esther. And so God has a plan. He orchestrated in such a way, like this is mind-blowing when you think about it, this young girl who's working in maybe a farm, just in a tiny little town of Suza, and God brings her into the palace as the queen with a very important purpose for her life. We see in Esther chapter 4 verse 1 to 3 we see that Esther is in the kingdom and she hears about Mordecai who is mourning who is wearing sackcloth. So in those days they would wear this cloth this this garment that was very rough material when they were mourning something. And we see here that Mordecai is wearing sackcloth and mourning. We see that the Jewish people are fasting and weeping and just just like Praying to God for salvation because they know that Haman is out to kill them. And Esther sends a message and is like, Mordecai, what's going on? Why are you wearing sackcloth? Why are you weeping? Why all of this sadness? What is going on? Outside the gate, there's mourning. Inside the gate, Esther has no idea. She is oblivious to what is taking place. In Esther 4.4, as we read along, we see that Esther gets a message from Mordecai and says, you know, he starts to explain what Haman is planning on doing. She finds out that he's wearing this sackcloth, and she actually sends him clothing to try to get him to change his clothes from the sackcloth. And there's a conversation between uh, Esther and Mordecai that happens between some officials from, from the the kingdom. So we see Esther sending a message. Well, tell him this. Do you ever get in an argument with somebody and you're like, can you tell them that I said this? And like, it's, so that's kind of what's happening here is Esther's talking through officials and sending messages and then messages are coming back from Mordecai through them. And through all of that, we find out Mordecai tells about the plan to destroy the Jewish nation by Haman's hands, her husband's right hand man plans to annihilate all the Jews in that nation. So we're going to turn to Esther chapter 4. And we're going to go to verse 8. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn there for a moment. Verse 8 says... This is Mordecai. He gave him a copy of the text of the edict for the annihilation which had been published in Susa. So Mordecai is passing on the, the actual paper to show what is about to take place, what Haman is planning to do. To show Esther and explain to her, and he told her, um, told the man to explain to Esther, to instruct her to go to the king, Get into his presence and beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. So Mordecai is saying to Esther, I want you to go to the king. I want you to let the king know what Haman is doing. I want you to beg for the lives of your people. You see, the king didn't know that Esther was Jewish. And so Mordecai, her cousin, is saying, you need to go to the king. You need to tell him that you are Jewish. You need to go to him and explain that the whole Jewish nation is going to be annihilated if the king doesn't help. And then when we go on, we're going to read verses 9 to 17. And then I'll break it down a little bit as we go along. So just reading um, as we go along, it says, Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their life. But thirty days have passed since I was called to go to the king. And Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, and he sent back the answer. Do you not think that because you are the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape? For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, a night, or a day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish so the situation here is the Jews are about to be destroyed Mordecai explains how she needs to go to the king she needs to plead for mercy she needs to plead for the safety of the Jewish people and here we see an unlikely turn of events as Esther now is inside the kingdom she is able to do something about this God has orchestrated an absolute miracle but in verse 10 and 11, originally when Mordecai suggests to her, you need to go to the king, you need to plead for safety for our Jewish people, her initial response is fear. She automatically thinks, I can't do that. Who am I that I would go? the king. She says I can't she's fearful she can't go to the king, she figures she can't go to him unannounced there's a law that says that you're not allowed to just walk into the king's chambers and just show up and be like hello that is not allowed and she knows this, she knows that if she does, she could very well lose her life so fear sets into her all of a sudden she starts to feel that she is absolutely incapable of what she is able to do. Even though she is a queen, she feels incapable. She feels ill-equipped. She feels like she is not the person for the job. As I'm mentioning all of those things, have any of you ever felt that way? I'm not the person for the job. Oh no, I, you've, you've come and you've asked the wrong person to do this. Maybe you should ask them they're maybe a little bit more gifted and able to do that. How many of us have questioned our abilities to be able to do something for God's kingdom? How many of us have questioned our abilities to be able to do something within the ministry of the church or helping out in our community to be a representation of Jesus? How many of us have said, I can't do it. Pick somebody else. How many of us have said, no, I'm too old. My time is done. How many of us have said, that's not my gifting? How many of us have said no to God? How many of us have said no only because of fear? In verse 12 to 14, the famous saying, for such a time as this. Mordecai explains to her, you know what? You cannot go to the king. You can just completely ignore the situation and watch all of your Jewish people be annihilated. Rest assured, you as well will be killed. So either you go to the king and be killed or you be killed as a Jew. Either way, the Jewish nation, if you don't do something, if you don't at least try, then not only you will perish your family will perish and your whole nation will perish if you don't at least try it tells us that God will raise somebody else eventually but in the meantime you will pass isn't that just an interesting thing to say God will raise somebody else so you might say no and God's like okay you don't want to do it well I will raise somebody else up to do it but in the meantime because you say no You miss out on the opportunity to be God's hands and feet. You also miss out in the moment that God has for you. Here she is fierce. She feels incapable. She feels ill-equipped. She feels like she is not the person for the job. She feels like she is not the one to bring deliverance to her people we have come to the knowledge and knowing of who jesus christ is not so that we can just take that information and sit down in a chair or in a pew and just wait until the time comes where we get to meet our maker we are told very very strongly and very often throughout the word of god that we are chosen so that we can continue to be god's example so that we can be god's hands and feet so that we can go And make disciples. We are chosen. For such a time as this. Not so that we can just sit back. And wait. Yes there's fear. Yes there's concern. But we need to remember that we have been called. For such a time as this. People are dying. And going to hell. That's a plain fact. That's blunt. But that's fact. Every single day. Somebody passes without making that choice to follow Jesus Christ. I wonder how many missed opportunities have we had because of fear and worry and feeling incapable. How many people, if we chose to stand up for such a time as this, could we influence for the kingdom of God? Yes, at the end of the day, it's their choice. Absolutely. But what about us being used to do the most that we can to see those people come to know Jesus Christ? To not sit back and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't go. I can't do that. If I go, something horrible may happen to me. Pick somebody else. How many times have we said that? We see in verse 15 and 16 that Esther chooses faith. It says that she encourages Mordecai to go, to fast and to pray. She encourages Mordecai then to tell other people to fast and pray. She says, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to talk to the king. But before we do, we need to pray and we need to fast. We need God here. Again, it does not say God's name in here. But we know that God is present And we see God's people being moved in in a situation that looks completely at a loss. God's hand is still in it because his people are in it. Right now what we're going through, you might be feeling like God's hand, like where is God in all of this? God's people are in it. So therefore God is in it. We need to trust and believe and have faith. We need to go. We need to fast. We need to pray. I am so blessed by the amount of people that come on that Zoom call every Sunday night to pray for our church, to pray for our community, to pray for the needs of the people in the church, to pray for the leadership of this church. It is a powerful time that we take week after week after week going storming the throne room of God in prayer. God lead us. God guide us. We're going to have faith in believing. We're going to persevere. We're going to press on. We're going to support one another. We're going to trust. And we are going to get through. As I've said the past couple of weeks, I feel like we are getting through this. We're going to start to dream. We're going to start to have vision. We're going to start to see God move powerfully. I was talking to one of our board members, Cindy, the other day about dreaming and having vision again for what God's going to do through and in this church. And as we got chatting, she's like, you know what? You and Pastor John have never seen this church fully open. We have never been able to see this church doing what this church has done for years and years. We have never had the capability to be able to completely open our church up and go full throttle to, to be an impact in our community. That has never happened. But it is going to happen, and I believe it is going to happen soon. And we need to start dreaming. We need to start having vision. We need to start pressing it in prayer. We need to start saying to God, okay, God, it's scary, and I don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be a different world, but I'm going to have faith. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to trust. I'm going to say, yes, I will go. In verse 16, the second part of verse 16, she says, I will go to the king. I will go. Yes, she's afraid. Yes, she feels ill-equipped, as probably each and every one of us do. But when we pray, when we ask God, when we step aside and say, God, not my will, but yours, I will go. And she says a very powerful statement. She says, and if I perish. I perish. If I die, I die. She is willing to go even to the point of death. Now I'm not asking anybody to do something that's going to cause you to die. But I'm asking you maybe to do something to die to yourself. To die to your own will and your own desire. What is it that God's calling you to do? Who is God calling you to speak to? What ministry in this church would you flourish in, even though it doesn't make sense to you, even though you think, no, somebody else can do that better than me. Maybe God wants to use you for such a time as this. I think about seniors' ministry. I think about kids' ministry. I think about youth ministry. I think about just ministering to our adults, our young adults. There's so many different areas to our community. There are so many different ways that we can be a minister for Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter if you've got letters behind your name. It doesn't matter what your your education is. None of that matters. Your past, your future, your present, it doesn't matter. Esther was a young orphan girl, and God brought her to be queen because he had a plan an unlikely change of events Esther meets a king she's granted favor as the story goes on we see that she orchestrates a dinner and she's granted favor with him she is given the king's ear this young orphan girl is given the king's ear to be able to express to, her, to him I need you to save my people. She is the one who brings deliverance for a whole Jewish nation. Now, maybe that's not what you're called to do. Maybe that's not what I'm called to do. But what one person can you make an impact on that that person then maybe make an impact on somebody else, and so it goes, and so on, and so on. Unlikely change of events an orphan girl a jewish exile poor made queen (laughs) to save a nation it's crazy this is like a movie this is something that we would watch in a movie and go oh isn't that lovely wow look at that that's so exciting romantic and wonderful and so fairy tale this is not fairy tale this is god god through his power can orchestrate what is beyond our comprehension Romans 8 28 it says and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose God works everything out for good it might not seem like it it might not seem like he's even in the midst right now but he's working behind the scenes to work something out for good for his glory if god can make a queen out of an orphan if god can make a queen out of an orphan what can he do through you i'm going to invite the worship team to come up and if we can sing Alpha and Omega I want you to think about who can you share Jesus with who can you minister to what area in this church can you be involved in I know I've said this many times before but where can you be involved what can you do for the kingdom no more fear I can't, I'm not educated I'm too shy, I'm not able, I'm too old none of that this is for such a time as this All God needs is a willing heart. That's all he needs. We don't know what's to come, but we're going to trust and believe that God has got something awesome to do through us. Let's be Jesus with skin on for his glory. No more sitting in the pews waiting. No more sitting back and going, oh, it's COVID, I can't do anything. That is a lie from the enemy. He would love nothing more for you to just be complacent In where you are I encourage you and I challenge you to think about your circle right now I had a conversation I know I call these guys up and then I start yapping again so forgive me but I had a conversation with a pastor friend the other day and she asked how do you like living at camp I said it's great but the problem is living at Brayside camp I said the problem is my job is surrounded by Christians and now my home is surrounded by Christians I need to get out of that Christian bubble and find some people who don't know Jesus and start to build relationship with them and show them who Jesus Christ is. I put that challenge to you. Who's in your circle? What impact can you have on the community? But what impact can you have even here in this church ministry for such a time as this? Let's sing this song, Alpha and Omega, because God is the beginning and the end. He can can make anything happen for his glory. Nothing is impossible for him. Esther would have thought it was impossible for her to ever be queen, and there she was. I encourage you right now to close your eyes in with Jesus and let's sing this song. I'll close in prayer in a moment, but let's just worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are... How far and don't be